It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Uh, I'm Scott, and not joining me today is Lauren. He's off on a film shoot, uh, so we weren't able to record a podcast today, but I thought I would take this opportunity to record a very special bonus episode because I took this day, since you know normally we record on Wednesdays, um, it's my day off. Uh, you, since we weren't able to record today, I kind of took this opportunity to go see a movie, go see a new movie that's in theaters now, and that is The Amazing Spider-Man. I've been kind of reluctant to see this movie. Uh, as soon as I kind of started seeing trailers for it, and I started seeing, you know, I started hearing the talk of this movie, uh, every, everybody I talked to about it, I always kind of said, well, I'm not going to not see it. Uh, but the truth is, it's been very hard for me to get excited about this movie. Uh, for those of you who listen to the podcast, you know that I am a, a big, big fan of comic books. I've been reading comic books uh, for as long as I remember. Uh, I've always had at least a comic book in my house at some point. I really got into comics um, probably when I was 10 years old, back in uh, 1990, 1991. I don't remember the exact time, the very first comic that I bought. I remember the first comic I was given, the first comic I owned, but uh, I think it was around the time I was 9 or 10 years old that uh, I started buying a lot of Disney comics. I got into comics by reading DuckTales and Tailspin and Uncle Scrooge and some really fun stories like that. And then I started meet, making friends who were also reading comics, and they introduced me to Spider-Man. This was 1990. Um, it was a very cool time to be involved with the Spider-Man mythos. It was a very cool time to be introduced to the character of Spider-Man because Venom had just been introduced, Carnage was right around the corner, Spider-Man was married to Mary Jane, and it was just a lot of really cool stories. I, I, the 90s get a bad rap um, in uh, for comic books because it did get dark pretty quickly there, and the, it, the whole industry kind of took a little bit of a nosedive in the mid to late 90s. Um, but there at the early 90s, it was super cool to be reading Spider-Man. So I've been reading Spider-Man really since 1990. I've kind of come and gone at different points. Um, I like, for example, for those of you who ha who know Spider-Man, I didn't actually get to see the end of the Clone Saga. I saw the beginning. Uh, I never saw the end until years later when I kind of revisited it. Um, but I'm a very big fan of Peter Parker. I'm a very big fan of Spider-Man. And I could get into a lot of other things about reading comic books, but I just kind of wanted you to understand that I love this character. He is maybe one of... The, him and Superman are my are my superheroes when it comes to comic books. They're the ones I am the the most interested in, and a lot of it has to do with the way I the way I was introduced to the characters. I grew up watching the Superman movie over and over again, and you know, kind of grew up reading Spider Man comics, and so I want to see them done right. Um, and also, just to give you a little bit more understanding of where I'm coming from as a fan of the property, um, I took a five year break from Spider Man after. Uh, the one more day storyline in which Peter Parker sold his marriage to the devil to save his aunt and they retconned out the whole marriage to Mary Jane thing. It's still a very sore spot in my appreciation for these characters. And um, it, so all of this, all of this is like a huge, huge preamble. I'm, and I apologize to the very first Spider-Man movie. When Spider-Man came out in 2002, it was a big deal for me because 
for you to really understand, I had I was in my second year of film school, and I I regret nothing. I loved film school, um, and it really has kind of brought me to where I am today. This podcast would not exist if I hadn't gone to film school and met Lauren and stayed up till three in the morning discussing films. Uh, but film school ruins films. It ruins movies because what you understand when you first when you watch a movie and you don't haven't gone to film school you can watch it with this like oh that was so cool and then he did this and you see it really just as this story you just see it as this collection of images and this this overall big story that is super cool but then you go to film school and you start learning things about like script development and how many drafts a script can go through and you learn about camera setups and you learn about lighting and you learn about uh, computer generated images and all of a sudden you realize that every single picture every single frame of that film was a decision that had to be made and so everything is on purpose some things yeah sometimes things happen accidentally but it's due to a decision somebody somewhere made and so that's why certain filmmakers we uh like you if you've listened to the podcast you know lauren and i both love ridley scott because my goodness look at his movies he makes these really amazing well-crafted films but then you you watch other filmmakers and you go oh you don't know what you're doing because that was all wrong um, and second year of film school, I was, you know, I was in a relationship with Kelly, who I'm now married to. We, we had been dating for probably about a year and a half at this point. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I apologize to everybody who's ever dated a film major because I'm sure they've heard it. You know, you have said at some point to the film major you're dating, could we just watch a movie and not discuss it afterwards? That's something I know Kelly and I had, <laughs> we had the discussion several times. Um, but Spider-Man very first Spider-Man that came out in 2002. It was the first movie since I'd started film school that I was able to sit down and just watch and not critique. Because it was the first time in, you know, since I had started reading Spider-Man 12 years ago, it was the first time I had actually seen a living, breathing Spider-Man. And, and Tobey Maguire was perfect. He was amazing as Spider-Man and as Peter Parker. You know, when I watched him get picked on in the high school, it's like, yes, he know this is a guy who knows what it's like. And, you know, the way Sam Raimi told his story, it's like it, it, he gets it. He gets the character. He gets the world, and I love it. And I didn't really start critiquing it probably until I saw it like the second or third time in the theater, and I started kind of seeing some of the things they did and some of the decisions that must have been made. And it wasn't a perfect movie. You know, you rewatched the movie. It wasn't perfect, but I loved it. And Spider Man Two came out, and it was even better than Spider Man One, which is unbelievable. Um. Spider-Man 3 came out, and Spider-Man 3 is an important chapter in the Spider-Man movie franchise story, um, because it is probably the thing that is most directly responsible for the amazing Spider-Man existing. Uh, Spider-Man 3 came out, and everybody, I know, everybody kind of agrees, it's a bit of a mess. There's a lot in it that I really like, but there are some really weird decisions that had to have been made at some point. Um, I'm not going to get into Spider-Man 3 right now. Suffice to say, I don't think it was weak enough that you needed to reboot the franchise, but I do understand why you want to go a new, a new and separate direction from it. My feeling on this whole thing is I still, even having seen The Amazing Spider-Man now, I still don't understand why a reboot was necessary. Uh, because we've had like 30-odd Bond films, and you don't have to, they didn't reboot the character until fairly recently, and even this reboot isn't really a reboot because, you know, Dame Judi Dench is still in it. So, you know, I don't, I still don't think the reboot is necessary, and that was really the big reason I was really kind of upset and not 
eager about The Amazing Spider-Man is because I know this story. And if you've seen the first Spider-Man movie, if you've picked up a comic book or watched a cartoon, you know exactly what's going to happen in the first half of this film. Peter's going to get picked on, girls aren't going to like him, and his uncle's going to die, and he's going to get bit by a spider. Um, and so it's just been hard for me to get excited about this particular movie. Um, especially when we've had such great films come out this summer, when we when you had the Avengers come out, and it's the it is honestly the first film since Inception that I've seen twice in the theater. I just don't get I don't have the kind of money and time to watch movies multiple times in the theater. But Avengers was great, and Batman comes out in a couple of days. By the time you're listening to this, Batman just came out. Wasn't it great? <laughs> um, and so Spider Man kind of got swallowed up this summer. And uh, here's the thing. If you haven't seen The Amazing Spider-Man, it's a really good Spider-Man movie. I really, you know, they, it really hits more than it misses. There are a couple things I don't like about it, but it comes from a completely fan perspective of the comic book, and that's I have said before my in the adaptation episode of this podcast, and I've said it in other places. It's really not fair to hold the source material against this new movie. Um, Especially when, for the most part, I would say probably 85% of this movie really does come right out of the comics. They've updated, they've tried to make it a little bit more gritty, they've tried to make it a little bit more rooted in reality, as opposed to Sam Raimi's, which had a little bit of a fantasy element to it. Not really, but the whole feeling of it harkened back to the uh, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko era. They've tried to take Peter Parker, put him in today's society. That being said, I don't know why he carries a film camera around taking pictures. That doesn't make sense, but again... Small nitpick. Um, I still don't know how he makes the suit he makes, but this movie is good. It is a good movie, and I really am looking forward to what comes next. I am interested in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, or The Spectacular Spider-Man, or Ultimate Spider-Man, or whatever they decide to call this, the next movie. Uh, Webhead, Baghead, I don't know, something. I'm on board. <laughs> um, Emma Stone is great as Gwen Stacy. Uh... Andrew Garfield really does a great job as Spider-Man. As a, as a fan of the characters and as a fan of the original movies, I have to say I like Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker a little bit better. Um, he resonates more with me. That being said, I feel like maybe this Peter Parker is probably more in line with today's youth than Tobey Maguire is with today's youth. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that's cool. It's just he's not quite the Peter I grew up reading. Uh, this Gwen is great. Uh, she is very similar to the Gwen in the comics. There's the only one thing that's really, really different from the comics, and it's something that I'm, I hope they explore in the second movie. Because in the comics, Gwen hates Spider-Man. Uh, spoiler alert, Gwen blames Spider-Man for the death of her father. And so she, while she loves Peter, she hates Spider-Man. And in the comics, she doesn't know Peter is Spider-Man, so there's, a, there's this duality triangle thing. In this movie, he reveals to her very early on that he is Spider-Man, and she thinks it's really cool. And, you know, the way it plays out, it is really cool, and I can see why she has that uh, reaction. But it does make for Spider-Man 2, I think there will be a divergence from the the source material where you won't have Gwen hating Spider-Man. That being said, I think they could do it, especially the way this movie ends with a particular character's death that she will be in a place where she could be maybe trying to pull Peter back from that ledge. Kind of going, what if you're not Spider-Man? What if you don't have to fight every freak that comes out of the sewers? What if? Um, 
So I'm looking forward to Spider-Man 2, and I hope they make it. And this Amazing Spider-Man is really pretty great. Um, not, you know, there, there's little nitpicks here, like I said, little nitpicks here and there. But as a <laughs> as a 31-year-old man who has grown up reading Spider-Man and who has really kind of taken to heart that with great power comes great responsibility, um, this is a great movie, especially if you have a 10-year-old in your life. Take him to see this movie because this is kind of a movie for him. Um, the Lizard isn't that great of a villain. I've never really cared for him, and this incarnation is okay. Um, again, I have little nitpicks about him. I probably have the most complaints about the Lizard as I than anything else in the movie. But you know what? He does the job, and he's and it, some of the fight sequences are awesome. You know, the technology you can tell has really progressed since 2002, and we were able to have a really uh, <laughs> spectacular spider-man web fight you know it's really cool that they really embrace all of his powers all the whole power set to craft a really convincing fight the way you would imagine it, the way you see it in the comics it's really cool um avengers is probably still my favorite superhero movie of the summer um batman i'm curious to see what happens with that i'm really eager to see that as well but the amazing spider-man is if you're looking for a fun summer blockbuster action flick if you're looking for, you know, if you're if you're looking for something fun, this is it. You know, even if you're not a huge superhero fan, I know Lauren's not, so he's not missing this podcast at all. But um, this is a this is a good way to spend, you know, two hours. It's a it's a good movie, even though um, one of my biggest gripes about this film is the structure of it. It has a very odd uh, way of just kind of leaving plot lines dangling. There are things that happen in the first act and into the second act that are completely forgotten by the third. Entire characters just disappear, and I'm very curious if there would be a director's cut of this film um, at some point that shows us... I'm, it kind of feels like a movie that's missing 30 minutes of screen time. Um, or if the, all those things were supposed to supposed just to be introduced just so they can play out in the second and third movie. I don't know. Um... But it's worth checking out, you know? It really it really is a pretty fun movie. And I think it's a movie, now that I've seen it, I understand where they, it's a movie where they're really trying to, I think Sony or Columbia, whoever owns the rights at this point, I think it's a movie where they are, while at one part they had to make it, otherwise Marvel would get Spider-Man back, and my goodness, if Marvel could make a Spider-Man movie, oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> but, um... So you know, there was that going into it, but I think a bigger part of the reason that this movie also exists... Uh, what it feels like, what they're able to do with it, is that it really is a movie that they reintroduces a teen superhero to a teen audience. And Mark Webb does a phenomenal job with the actors. Um, even though it's like you you watch this movie and you know certain characters are doomed from the beginning and it's kind of hard to care about them at first, Martin Sheen does such a phenomenal job as Uncle Ben and Emma Stone is so great and just, you know, vexing as as a uh, Gwen Stacy you're just like you like her and you know why Peter likes her and you get why she likes Peter and so those the scenes with the characters are really great so honestly that's the thing that's what I realized I was walking out um while there my problems with the film are bigger and smaller than the film itself they are ones that exist outside of the film because the scenes that involve just the characters interacting with each other are really great and this director really shines this is the director of 500 days of summer he really shines with small character stuff and so when it's just small characters talking to each other it works really great it probably works better than the spider-man the original spider-man movies um and the scenes the the fight scenes um, are 
look even better than you know the last Spider-Man movies looked. So everything about this, I can see it being a step forward and being a better film. That being said, if I had to be completely honest, uh, Spider-Man 2 is probably still my favorite Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man 2 is one of the best superhero films. And if you don't agree, you're probably a Batman fan and uh, don't enjoy fun. So... <laughs> Anyway, uh, I'm going to wrap this up now. You've heard me talk long enough. Amazing Spider-Man. It's a lot of fun. Go check it out. Or check it out on DVD. But it is a movie that should be seen on the big screen. It, it utilizes it well. Oh, last thought. I heard that it was shot in 3D on, on you know, red cameras. Um, I did not see it in 3D. And I don't feel like I missed a single thing. There's a couple shots that were clearly intended for the 3D audience. Um, I don't really care. I'm over it. So, 2D uh, Amazing Spider-Man, totally worth your money, totally worth your time. Especially if you check it out as a matinee. I did that, and I enjoyed pretty much every minute of it. So, I'm giving it one and a half thumbs up, uh, because I still have my fanboy problems. <laughs> anyway, you guys, have a great time. Uh, go see some good movies this summer, and uh, check us out online at MoviesYouShouldLove.com. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. It's basically just look for Movie You Should Love or Movies You Should, some variation of that, and you'll probably find us. We'll be the pixelated heads staring back at you. Anyway, see you next time. You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at MoviesYouShouldLove.com. 